The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Chapter 5, James 5, find verse 13. Reading from the King James Version. But we'll put the new King James up on the screen. There you go. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is he merry or happy? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, everybody say the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another or confess your sins, as another version says, one to another. Pray and pray one for another that ye may be healed the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, of the moments that remain in this service. Lord, we've been touched and encouraged in worship and testimonies and the time of receiving the offering. God, we're so grateful for all that you've done and the authority, Lord, that's expressed in the release of miracles and prayer. Thank you. And now as we move to look at these three verses of Scripture, May we never be the same. Come on, lift your voice and ask God to speak to you. Speak to us, Lord. Not just a lecture. Lord, impartation that comes from the throne of God. By the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. When you look at the life of Jesus, in fact, when somebody comes to the Lord able to spend time with them, I tell them, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you're done reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read it again. And read it again. And get to know who Jesus is. Why did he do things? What was he thinking? What was it like to sit around a fire with Jesus? Can you imagine sitting with him as he made a whip? Jesus made a whip <laughs> to go flip over tables at the temple, the money changers. I mean, every day had to be exciting being one of his disciples. I mean, my gosh, and fed the 5,000, fed the 4,000, tax time, got a coin out of the fish's mouth, sent Peter to go do it, one for him and one for Peter. But I think some of the things that, about, that, that, that he did is really must have shocked the disciples, like when lepers came. And the lepers were not allowed to be near people. They certainly weren't allowed to be in the temple by Levitical law. They were, they were marred. They were unclean. They were impure. It was a health hazard. They had really colonies of, of lepers that would be outside of the town. And in fact, lepers, if you study, would have to say, unclean, unclean when they came near people because you would not want to get leprosy. And yet Jesus would reach out and touch a leper. Kind of amazing. There's power in, 
in the touch of the Lord. There's power in a personal touch. They've shown and proven that babies in neonatal intensive care units do significantly better when they're held, when they're touched, when they're spoken to and comforted. Both of my kids were in the neonatal intensive care unit. And uh, we spent untold amount of hours there. In fact, we slept there. We just stayed there. And maybe you've been through that, a premature baby or something or some kind of a problem. And we would just sing over our kids. The Lord gave me a song the day that Hannah was born and sang over her. I'm convinced, actually, in looking back on it, she was brought out. It was a C-section. We prayed for supernatural delivery. That would be pain-free, right? Fast, pain-free. She had that C-section. No pain, came right out. Praise God. We put that, that baby went in, a beautiful little girl went into, uh, went under that heat lamp. You know, the heat lamp where they do all the, all the stuff there and check her out and everything. Well, I, I was over her and over the heat lamp and I sang to her for about an hour and kind of made her a little chilly, a little cold, which wasn't too good. But actually, I think it saved her life. The power of God was on us. And uh, the Lord gave me a song. It's still in my heart. I'd sing it to you, but it's personal. So maybe another time. There's something about a touch from the Lord, and there's something about a personal touch from people. You know, in our services, we have you reach out and take someone's hand. I know some of you can't stand that. You're just like, oh, gosh, I'm going to hold somebody's hand. You just hope that you don't hold so long that they start sweating, and then you should be like, oh, this clammy hand. And, uh, I, I, you know, it's a challenge holding a sweaty hand. I understand that, but we try not to hold too long. But we do it on purpose to break down barriers because people need a personal touch from God. That heroin addict needed a personal touch from God. I put my hand on her shoulder. And I prayed for her. I lifted her chin. I looked her in the eyes and I told her, your life's not over. I've been where you are. You're going to rise from this thing. God loves you. It's not hopeless. I said, do you have kids? And she just busted and broke and started really crying. I gathered that was a yes. That's that personal touch. Jesus is like that. He touched people in their need. Tonight, I want to talk about being personal and bringing a personal touch and healing. If you look at past revivals, there was great miracles in, in all of those revivals. Hence, revive, the word revival actually means to revive. I think really the church in the first century was just on fire. I mean, you read the book of Acts, the story of the the beginning parts of the church. I mean, there's all kinds of, I mean, the guy's shadow, his shadow, people got healed. And yet somehow as time went on, the revelation of healing and miracles and signs, you know, passed and became some, well, there's people that believe that they don't even exist anymore. They're called cessationists. I, I, got, I can't ascribe to that because I'd be dead without the miracle power of God in my own life. So I just, you know, I mean, I, I could hardly read, really, when I got saved. Then I got devils broken off of me. All of a sudden, I'm in my right mind. I'm not hearing voices and not seeing stuff anymore. It's too late to tell me that there's no power in God. Too late. It's just too late. Where is it? I don't, I don't even read that. I don't even read that. I can't, can't hardly read the Bible, actually. But it's too late for you to tell me that God's power. Because the devil's been messing with me for years. And now all that's gone. And you tell me that God's Holy Spirit doesn't have delivering power, healing power. 
Come on, kidneys healed, totally healed of all my ailments. Come on, God just set me free from all kinds of stuff. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I didn't even read the word. It was somebody else that knew the word that brought a demonstration. Let's look at the text. God has a plan for, for healing. And I believe that the local church is a center for healing. I believe the local church, not the hospital. I thank God for the hospital. Praise God for hospitals. But I believe the church is a place of, local, of healing. So it should be a center of healing. Come on, raise your hand if God's healed you of something at some point in your life. All right, raise your other hand if you need healing. You need healing tonight. All right. Now that can be physical. That can be emotional. Maybe it could be relational. The place of the local church, it should be normal for healing to be manifested. It should be normal to see the power of God. I was talking with um, somebody I'm very close to on the other side of the country. And um, occasionally their pastor takes pot shots at Pentecostals and the move of the Spirit. Um, Great teacher, great expositor, but when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it's just they believe in them, and it's not going to happen in the service because they just don't want that to happen. I'm not sure where that happens. I hope it happens somewhere for them. It's a great church, wonderful church. Uh, I don't appreciate the poking of fun of, you know, my closest friend, the Holy Ghost. I just, you know, you and I can talk stink about my friend. People wonder where the power and the anointing comes from. It's not some, uh, it's not some charisma or, or some, some gifting. You want more of his power in your life. Get to know him. Spend time with him. Get personal with God. But anyway, I believe that miracles should be the normal in the church. And God's power is really supposed to be put on display here. So that when, when he shows up and shows off, then people say, man, he must be on the throne. Because I know that person. They were insane. Now they're in their right mind. And having said that the church is supposed to, I believe, to be the, the center of healing and deliverance and equipping and training and teaching and evangelism and, and all of those wonderful things that we see in Ephesians 4, you've got to be committed to a local church. You say, well, you need to be committed here? Well, if God calls you here, be committed here. But if he hasn't called you here, then, then don't. You certainly welcome to visit and wonderful. But you need to find a place that you can sink into and call your own. You know, um, Toby and, and Dee, I'm just, you know, I, I just wouldn't have been at the hospital if I didn't know you. Duh. No kidding. But you know what? I do know you. And I know how you raise your kids. You've invited me to your house. I know you. I love you. I'm your pastor. That's a big deal to me. You know what grieves me is that many people really never move all the way in to commitment to church to actually know, know that now we're getting big enough where it, it's sometimes hard to get to know myself or Pastor Alex, but we have leaders. You gotta, you gotta, get, you gotta get committed. You gotta get in. Because what happened? I'm gonna tell you something. The wind of hell blows on everybody's life. There is difficulty coming to America. There's problems. 
I, mean, I, I pray we never have a 9-11. I pray we never have another difficulty. You know what the truth is? We're going to have some challenges, man. They are. And I'm so thankful for a local church. I remember at that time when my wife and I lost, we lost a child. It carried just about full term. And the baby lived for about 15 minutes and died of uh, um, complications. And it was a very challenging thing. I remember coming out of that. Now I was a lead, I was a life group leader in the church. I wasn't a pastor. I was how many life group leaders are here? Small group leader. You're a small group leader. Raise your hand. Okay, I was one of you guys. And when that started coming down the pike, we knew they told us to abort the baby. We swore and said, "We're not God. We're not aborting any child." And so we kept that baby believed for a miracle. And when the baby came out, it was horribly deformed and lived 15 minutes and went straight to heaven. And some of you know the story. Well, we had friends and people, but we had people that we were close with in the small groups and, and in ministry and young adults. And I, I was helping with the young adult ministry and youth. And so when I came out of that hospital room with that baby, that was uh, heartbeat was slowing down and the baby was dying, wasn't quite dead yet on the way. You know, I mean, I think actually his spirit went already. I don't know how all that works. I came out into a sea of people in that had taken over. The church took over the hospital. You know, the waiting rooms and that kind of thing. I had to kind of walk through a waiting room. When I walked through there, there was no exaggeration. 60 to 80 intercessors praying full voice, full, full voice, people pacing, grandmas and youth. Young adults, people pacing back and forth. God, release your power. Lord, spare that child. God, people praying. I walked through in a ball of tears through a, and they didn't, you know, some people saw me walk through. I wasn't stopping to talk, but it moved me. It was a local church had set up church in the hospital. Now, I don't want to tell the whole story. It was very powerful. But there came a time when I came that my child had passed. Karen was recovering. I came back into that waiting room just to thank them and to let them know that my, my child went to heaven. And I will never forget when I walked into that room and Dr. Morocco was on a trip. Pastor Colleen was there. And she was the first one that approached me and she came right to my face with tears running down her face. It's like it's, it's burned in my heart. She looked at me and and his tears are running down her face. And I looked up. I, I'm, I'm trying not to fall apart. I look up and it's, it's those 60 to 80 people all crowded around. Everybody's staring. Not a, not a, not a dry eye among them. And she, she said, Daniel, we want to know. We want you to know that we love you. And we love your family. And God's going to work this for good. And I sat there. Now, I want to tell you what I experienced. I had experienced the love of God through an encounter with God. I mean, his spirit. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I, I did everything I could to get rid of him, but he wouldn't turn me loose. I mean, I denied him. I rejected him. I continued to sin. And he kept saying, I want you. I want you. I want you. I'm like, why do you want me? I'm trying to get rid of you. Everybody else, everybody else got rid of me except for mom. You know, praise God for moms. I would come in the church and the power of God would come in. All my hair stand on it and I'd be like, what is that? What do you want with me? You know, 
I mean, that, that was my, that's, God just kept coming. His love kept wrapping me every time I walked near a church, saw a church, saw a cross. Forget it. When I saw a telephone pole, telephone poles are crosses too. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It would be like that. So now at that particular time, I didn't experience so much a powerful anointing that came from God upon me. I experienced the love of God through his church for me. I felt his power, his presence coming from his people, like through them to me. And all I could hear as I looked out is the word of the Lord, and you shall know them by their love for one another. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have never experienced that. Do you know some people do not know the experience of the love of the body of Christ? They don't know the love of a, of a, of a, a Christian brother or Christian sister like that. That when it, when it all hits the fan, they're in their truck and they're racing to the hospital. If, if something happens, they're interceding, they'll pace the floor at night until you get a victory. And the reason they don't know that is because they, for whatever reason, you know, many of us have been wounded in relationships. We've had parents that maybe weren't faithful to us or abused us, or maybe we've been in abusive relationships with pastors and leaders. And, you know, maybe we've been through some things that just, you know, we love people sort of about like this far away. That's good. How you doing? I'm praising the God. How are you? Have a good day. Praise God. You don't really want to let down your, what's really going on. And granted, you should have discernment about who you should do that with because there are people that will utterly backstab you and bludgeon you with a stick. You know, they're out there in church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But there are genuine. Come on, somebody say amen. There is genuine people that love deeply from the heart, even with the love of God. And if you're never committed to a church, I mean, you know, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Guys, you're committed. I mean, you'd be here on a Wednesday night. I understand that, but maybe there's someone out there that you've just never really taken the the next step of commitment, and you you can't get discipled in a crowd, people. There's no disciples in a crowd. You could hear the word like you're hearing it now, but a real discipleship takes place in the context of transparent, honest relationships living out the word of God together in all, it's in all our ugliness with it. Letting people in, you know, not hiding stuff, not doing the secret sin thing. You know, and, and it's a wonderful, it's such a wonderful gift. And I, I grieve over the years of being a pastor here because I've seen so many people so wishy-washy and never commit, never... You know, and I'm thankful for all the ones that have, and there's more and more. Can somebody say amen? I'm so thankful for that. But many, many are apprehensive, and they don't, they don't commit. They don't let their guard down. They, they, they don't build relationships. Well, the next thing you see, and so you've got to be committed to a local church. I get that from this text. But the other thing I see here is, is any sick among you? Look at verse 14. Let them call the elders of the church. Now, elder, overseer, they're synonymous with pastor. You know, you understand synonymous. It's, it's the same thing, basically. And pastoring is not a career. If you're looking for a career, don't pick that one. It's not a job. I don't, you know, I remember my father saying to me, so you've chosen your vocation. I'm thinking, my what? 
you chose your vocation? I said, what do you mean, my vocation? I mean, I know what the word vocation means. It was confusing to me. I was like, so you've chosen your vocation. You're going to be a, a minister. I thought, vocation? I said, what do you mean? I literally. I mean, I know what the word vocation means. It was so confusing to me that he's actually saying, my father is saying to me, so you've chosen to be a pastor. That's your vocation. And he explains it to me. Your job. It's what you're going to do for a living. You're, I thought, holy cow, we're on like two totally different realms here. I said, I wouldn't say it like that. He said, well, what, what other way is that to say it? I said, Dad, this uh, is not a job. This is my life. This is, there's, there's really never off. Of course, there needs to be Sabbath rest and stuff like that. I said, no, no, Dad, Dad God called me to do what I'm doing. What do you mean he called you? He said, he spoke to me. He called me. This is what I'm made for. I, it's not a job. Am I getting a paycheck or something? Give me a, give me a break. But how do you call on an elder? How do you call on an overseer? How do you call on a pastor if you don't have one? Have you ever heard people say, you know, well, I, I like going out to the mountains. That's my church. Okay, when you're out in the mountains, where's your pastor? I was just curious about that. Where would he be? He's right next to me. Okay, so you go to the mountains with your pastor, praise the Lord. My, my point is, is that, I, you know, you can experience God's power in creation. And, you know, this morning after morning prayer, I'm going to tell you, it was just amazing. I put it up on Instagram. Anybody got an Instagram? You don't have to raise your hand. Anyway, I got an Instagram. It's sort of my artistic outlet or photographs that I take. Fog was lying over the lake over Wasilla Lake, and the sun was coming up and just going through all of that mist, and I thought, oh, man, all of creation speaks of your glory. I mean, I love going into the mountains and experiencing, you know, his creation and saying, what a mighty God we serve, amen, the moon and the stars that thou hast set in place. What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that you would care for him? You set him a little below the angels, yet you've crowned him with glory and honor, and you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. I mean, the Psalms, we, it's the scriptures full of the declarations of the glory of God and creation. Even in Romans, it says people are without excuse. The, the bush guy, the, 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 the guy who never hears the gospel but dies, he's without excuse. And he'll be judged to how, according to how he lived and because he knows that there's a God because there's no way that you can deny it when you look at a flower, when you look at a baby, when you look at your fingerprints, when you look at the stars as Abraham did. You can't deny it. But if you deny it, then you'll be judged accordingly even if you never heard about Jesus. That's what Romans talks about. Oh, you, you, gotta, you gotta be committed to a local church. You gotta have a, I think every single person has a pastor. Do you have a pastor, pastor? Yes. Dr. Morocco's my pastor. It's not about having a degree. It's not about having a degree. It's not about going to Bible college. I'm all for Bible college. I'm all for having degrees. Praise God. Get educated. The Lord leads you that way. Wonderful. I've, I've, I've been educated, and I'm thankful for it. As dumb as a box of rocks, and, you know, God helped me. But I will tell you, it's not book knowledge that, get, that, that brings the anointing. It's not, not educated. Some people have died by degrees. They got more degrees than a thermometer, and they can't cast out one devil, can't do nothing, got no compassion for anybody, know the Bible ten times as good as any of us, and, and have no faith, no, no vision. 
Come on, Brother David, you've seen it, right? Yeah, it's not education that's going gonna, gonna to get you free. It's, it's the power of God, revelation. And it's interesting also from this text, we see that people are used as instruments of healing. And I want you to turn to Mark 16 as we sort of have an evening chat with Pastor Daniel. It's not the fiery message that I frequently bring. Just feeling sober about it tonight, teaching you the word. Mark 16, verse 17 says, And these signs he'll accompany those who believe. Who? who? These, kinds, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they'll drive out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. And they will drink deadly poison, yet it will not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people, and they will get well, or they will recover. Now that doesn't mean you run out and grab a snake. And doesn't mean you run out and grab some, you know, some poison. Just means that you you're, you're have authority over those things. And should you be bit by a snake, stand on that scripture right there. Should you happen to drink poison or something? You know, they, they, I heard one report that actually says that, the, that food changes when you pray over it. I don't know if that's true, but I'll tell you that. I think maybe it was Leila that gave me a book about seven years ago on water. And how water responds to, to music and water. Come on, there's power. Come on, he spoke and said, let there be light. Bam, we still have it. There, there's something about, you know, you get all weird and get into vibrations and stuff, but the name of Jesus has power. So, it's fascinating to me. If we go back to this verse, Mark 16, verse 17, these signs will accompany those, those who believe. Are there any believers here tonight? Great. Then guess what? This should be following you. Of course, if you never lay your hand on anything, you know, it might be hard to have something follow. At least this says that they'll, they'll drive out demons, speak in new tongues, pick up snakes. Healing comes through personal relationships and personal relationships of care not just any personal relationship I was talking with one of our one of our leaders and um, it caused me to think about how healing came for so many people I know uh, including myself and you can go through lots of counseling and I'm all for biblical counseling all right I'm not I'm not into um, secular psychology if it's apart from the word, I mean, you can, come on, there's psychologists that need to sit on their own couch. You know, you, you do not want to get counsel from somebody who's bound and addicted and got issues themselves. Let me help you. No thanks. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm apprehensive about that, but I do believe that there's great power in biblical counseling, even biblical psychology. It's powerful, amen. It can be very powerful to unlock places for people and to see people healed, and I've experienced the joy of that in my own life. But I will tell you that that combined with personal relationships with people that loved me and learning to, learning to live together, learning to do, do life together, live, you know, I don't mean like live together, live together in the same house. I just mean doing life together. Okay, again, if there's no commitment, you don't have to develop personal relationships, and you don't get that. There's, there's power in serving. 
In fact, the word worship, I'm mispronouncing it in the Greek, but it's lorteo, it means to serve. A reasonable act of worship, it says in Romans, or a reasonable act of service. That, that, you know, worship is not just singing and lifting your voice, it's helping somebody. That's an act of worship. And you don't have to have music on and all your goosebumps standing on end and Pastor Alex with his angelic voice leading us. Oh. You don't even have to, you don't have to feel his presence either. You can, it's wonderful. It's not mandatory. You just do good, love people. Personal relationship. You, 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 we must continue as a church to be personal no matter how large we get and we're growing and people are getting added to the church and we're going to finish our building, praise God. I'm going to brag on Toby and Dee, but because you guys, the Lord used you to spur some of this stuff that I'm preaching on tonight. They said, you know, we've never been a part of a big ministry, really, it was mostly small churches, and we chose that because we want to develop close relationships with the pastor and leaders, and we just felt in large churches that's not going to happen, but it happened here. And I don't really see us as a large ministry. I think globally, when I think globally, I think okay, it's a large ministry, but... They were talking specifically about Wasilla, that there's hundreds of people, and there are hundreds of people. And I don't really think of it as something that's really big. Something like mega church. We're mega in the spirit. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Amen. Amen. But it was encouraging to me. It blessed me. And I thought, oh, we need to be personal. We need to know, we get to know each other, love each other. You're like, I don't want to get to know what to be. I know you need healing. I just want to come and slip out. You know, folks that, you know, can I, I, this is kind of funny. I don't want to make a doctrine over it or anything, but I, I've found this. I've found that not all the time, but frequently I see people come in and they're apprehensive. They sit in the back row. And it seems the more they get involved, the more they start serving. Now, this is not always the case. So if you're in the back row, I'm not talking to you, all right? <laughs> but I notice they start moving closer. And they come closer. It's just an interesting thing. We've got to remain personal. You've you got to get to know each other. So what if they don't like me? Statistically, there's only two or three people that like us anyway. So it's all good. Plus, they have to love you. Amen. That's how can you, if you don't love your brother who you see, then you can't say you love God. Amen. Who you can't see. So they have to love you anyway. <laughs> you know, we are not a performance-orientated church. We're just not, in, we're not into performance. I'm highly allergic to it. It makes me want to get sick. I'm here to come do some song and dance. Do some song and dance for you. Like, that, that's never going to get you free. We're into personal relationships of care. Everybody say, we're going to be a personal church. All right. Look at the dynamics now of healing that we see in this scripture. And, and I'm going to bring this to a conclusion eventually. They'll anoint with oil. Now, I just picked up, actually, my wife got it. Brand new Jerry Jug of oil. Hallelujah. Pastor Alex is 
taking some of this to go upstairs. Uh, I, I am in kind of an oil nut, sort of. I don't really have OCD over it or anything, but, but healing oil, let me just teach this to you. When you, buy, when you buy oil, here's what I believe. When you buy oil, you should always buy, it doesn't have to be from Jerusalem. That's nice. Uh, but how many of you know, olive oil is olive oil. Sort of. First cold press, this says on it right here. I believe in getting the first oil off the olive, and so did they in Scripture, and that's why, that's why I do that. This is the first oil that comes off of the, of the olive. And there's just something about rancid oil. I, I, I have found in, in uh, my experiences over the years that if the oil is rancid behind the pulpit, it's, it's just not too good. It's, just, it's not a very good sign. It's a sign that it should be changed. Amen. That's the sign. All right, praise God. It's not like I'm saying it's the apostate church because their oil's rancid. But it's a, it's a picture. Now, the oil is not, look, it's not, it's the magic oil of the church. No, that, that's not what that is. It, it just represents the Holy Spirit. It's an emphasis of the Holy Spirit. And you'll see in 1 Samuel 16, I'll read it to you. Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And there are these three different anointings in the life of David. This is the first one. But his whole life changes when he gets anointed with oil. It's a picture of the Spirit coming upon him. And the Bible tells us to use oil, anointing oil. The power of the Holy Spirit is available for every single person in this room. You don't have to be in a church building to have it happen, and you don't have to have oil to have an encounter with God either. We have to walk, really, in, in the anointing of Jesus. And you'll see that Isaiah 61, Luke 4. I quoted some of it when we were praying. Acts 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. That's what he did. He went about and he healed people and he set, the, set captives free. Now, Christian means little Christ or Christ-like. Guess what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to bring healing to people. And that only happens by being personal. Reach out to people, bless people, help people. And there's an emphasis on forgiveness of sin. Do you see that with me? We, let's look at this here. Prayer of faith will save that sick person. Lord, heal them, raise them up. If they've committed any sin, they'll be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Can, can we put the new King James up? I think it says sins. Confess your sins. It also means faults. It means like shortcomings. How many of you got any of those? Don't lie. You know where liars go. All right. It's, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, I've got some, I've got some faults. You know that when, when you confess those and you pray for one another, you know, God can heal you of that thing. It's an emphasis on praying in faith. I don't know um, how the prayer life of the body of Christ is. I just am aware of my own. 
and I'm aware of my responsibility before God to lead you in prayer. I'm in morning prayer nearly every morning. The four in the morning, get home at four in the morning thing, I, I took a pass on that one right there. Three hours wasn't going to cut it with all my meetings that day. I, I, I just, amen. I had Pastor Alex, actually, Pastor Alex didn't make it either. We had one of the staff people light a candle for us, and prayer continued, hallelujah. We didn't really light a candle. That's just a little saying. It's a saying. It's a saying from the Catholic Church. You light a candle for me. All right. I'm in prayer every day. I'm in corporate prayer uh, every day, either with my family on Monday, my day off, or all the other days of the week. We've got corporate prayer in the morning at 7 o'clock upstairs. We've got prayer on the property at 7 o'clock on Saturday mornings, Tuesday through Friday right here, 7 a.m. And 5.30, God bless our sister, Minister Vicki, wave at us. She's crazy. Girl's crazy. She's just totally crazy. She's here at 5.30, 5.30 to 6.30, and people are online. And we're, we're into prayer. We're into corporate prayer. And I believe that when we pray that we're going to see a greater release of miracle power. Can you say amen? In fact, it's a requirement for uh, staff that you need to be in prayer an hour before every service or you're not to minister in that service. That's actually old school requirements that have been around since I got saved in our church. That's a philosophy of Dr. Morocco. So when they had, when they had church at 6, they had a 6 a.m. service. God helped them, right? 6 a.m. They met at 5. That means they're getting up at 4 something. 4 o'clock in the morning. How many of you know if the Lord's up then? No, he never sleeps or slumbers. How many of you know that? All right. All right, staying personal. Let me, let me just, it's just three quick points and, uh, and we'll close. Don't be afraid of people. Say, what, what, what if... What if, they, what if they don't like me? Like I said, it doesn't really matter. The Lord, the Lord loves you. And so based on that, you can reach out to people if you're secure in the love of God. I, I've, I've been around folks in the past, and it, it was kind of a fad in the body of Christ, but it was this sort of fad that you needed to protect the anointing. Protect the anointing, brother. I think protect the what? I said, how is Jesus protecting the anointing when he reached out to touch a leper? Whatever, what actually does that mean, to protect the anointing? The anointing is anointing. Some, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you know what that is. I'll just tell you. The anointing is God's ability, God's power on you to get the job done. It comes from Scripture, the anointing. It's, it's a picture of the oil being, you know, Samuel anointed David with a horn of oil. So it's a picture of the Holy Spirit resting on someone and them moving forward. Okay, now they, there's the anointed one. There's only one of those. Although Cyrus is, a, Cyrus is called the anointed one. The only Gentile called mine, mine anointed. Kind of interesting. I probably need a piece of fruit juice right now or something. So I'm going to just leave that over there. Cyrus, amen. But Jesus is the, is the, you do a study on the anointing and the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. He's the Messiah, our Savior, our hero. But when, when we talk about somebody being anointed, it means the Holy Spirit is on them to do what the Holy Spirit, what God has called them to do. So when somebody says you need to protect the anointing, how many of you ever heard that saying, protect the anointing? 
It was taken to the extremes that you shouldn't be with people. So you'd have, you'd have people preach and, and, and pray for people and then rush off to the back room. Hallelujah! And they just rush off to the back room and they're just in the back room. Hallelujah! And they just leave that for the rest of the staff because we want to protect the anointing. You know, you don't want to get too close to people. Because if you get too close to people, man, you might get defiled. The anointing is for people. It's for people. It's to touch people with God, God's power, God's love. Protect the anointing by not watching your, your PG-13 movies that are really R. It's what R used to be. It's now PG-13. Protect the anointing by guarding your eyes, by, by shutting your mouth and not gossiping. Protect the anointing by, oh, I'm preaching now. Protect the anointing by, by living holy. Protect the anointing by, by living righteously before God, by building one another up instead of being on some negative, tear-down, critical thing and with the gift of suspicion that you think is the gift of discernment of spirits. Have compassion on people. See people through the eyes of compassion. You know, the, 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 the drug addict girl, uh, they, they gave her, I don't know, that's terrible to say that, because so, maybe she got set free and she's not a drug addict anymore. She, maybe she's a new creation. Is that, is that possible? Right. She prayed the prayer. I don't know all that happened. I don't even know where she's at. God's God. She'll be here. I'm going to tell you something. She's going to, we'll see her eventually. It's going to come around. We'll, we'll meet her. Amen. I did not want to go in that room. But with every cry, I remember what it was like to be like that. And I sat there and I just, oh, my heart would sort of break for her. And I just thought, oh, and part of me was just like, well, I'm, I'm pastoring here. I had to stay with my brother. Come on, he ate corned beef and cabbage with mustard or something, and a, he needs some deliverance. Shut up! He needs some Pepto, something or other, Holy Ghost action. We don't know all that was happening, but I'm thinking, I just kept saying to myself, well, I gotta get, I've gotta stay, I'm gonna stay on the post, stay on the wall, gotta stay on the wall, man. And I'm just thinking, Jesus, you know, and then finally it got to the place where, like, you're out the woods. You're, I, I was good. You're done. I mean, we just talk and hang it out after that. I believe should get healed or over or whatever. Passed. The gas is gone. Amen. <laughs> and, then I, and, then I, and then I just couldn't take it no more. And I just, I just couldn't hear her cry anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. Amen. And, you know, we don't like feeling that. I don't like feeling that kind of burden, hurting. It's not my favorite thing. I long, oh, break my heart today, God. But you know something? When your heart breaks like that, it's called compassion. There's sympathy and compassion. Don't have sympathy for people. Have compassion. Sympathy feels bad. Listen, this is good. This is, I, I might preach now. I might preach now, Brother Scott. Sympathy and compassion are two totally different things. Jesus never had sympathy for one person on the earth, ever. Sympathy feels bad for somebody. Oh, poor thing you. Oh, oh, poor thing. That's sympathy. Oh, you poor thing, you. Compassion? Compassion feels what somebody else feels. 
And when you look at the miracles of Jesus, he was moved with compassion. Now, my experience, I'm just talking about me. One of the things that's kept me from breaking in and getting personal is I, have, I will stop myself from feeling that. I'll disconnect myself or my brain will click in and say, well, you know, geez, shouldn't have been shooting dope anyway. Made your bed, sleep in it. Come on, don't, don't look at me crazy. Like, I'm just telling you, I've, I've said things like that in my head. That's totally carnal, not godly thinking. That is not, that's not the spirit of Jesus that's telling you that. I'll tell you that right now. It isn't. Jesus never did it. Well, you shouldn't have just been, you shouldn't have been a hoe then. That's it. You're going to hell. Yeah, I said it. Well, I guess you shouldn't have been with all those men then. Hell for you. Leprosy? Hey, got to protect the anointing. Leper! Everybody say, get compassion. Stop being afraid of people. Now, you need to guard yourself. Come on, there's some people who run up and suck the marrow out of your bones. I'm not talking about that either. They'd be like, hi, how are you? And you'd be like, oh. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They don't want help. They just want to take every... They're like modern-day vampires in the spirit. Just keep coming back. They need deliverance. But they don't want to really be delivered. They don't really want to listen. See, how do you know which one those are? Pray in tongues, man. The Holy Spirit will help you. And you still need to love those. Amen. And you still need to be kind. But you just need to put boundaries. Wear turtlenecks and stuff like that. Amen. <laughs> Everybody say, Jesus help me right now. Where's my wife? Karen, pray for me. Amen. Get compassion. Everybody say, get compassion. Jesus moved the compassion. Be open and available. And that's my last point. Everybody say, be open and available. Listen, I, I challenge you. I challenge you. Even starting from tonight. Say, God, I'm available. Use me. And then you watch what happens. It's amazing how the Apostle Paul goes to Athens to have a vacation from being rocked and, and ministry and stuff. And he goes to Athens and he's troubled by all the idols he sees. And he goes to the Aragopagus, but it says, and I, I, we need to go, I think it's Acts 17. He goes to the marketplace and he ministered to those who happened to be there. Come on, I'll tell you something. The Spirit of God wants to use you. And if you put yourself in a position to be used, he will bring people to you and bring you to them. And you will find yourself ministering the power of the Spirit of God everywhere you go. And that is what we need. We need people that are moving in the power of God that are willing to just say, man, I... I don't know. I don't know all that theology. I just got saved a couple months ago. <laughs> Perfect. Amen. Are you a believer? Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you a believer? Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're not, we'll remedy that here in a minute. Right? You can become a believer tonight. But if you are a believer, then these signs will follow them that believe. They'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll pray in new tongues. You don't have to worry about poison. Amen. Don't have to worry about the vampires. 
You don't even really need to wear a turtleneck. Come on, you just need to be flowing in the Holy Ghost and have compassion. Be open and available. Say, Lord, don't say it if you don't mean it, because here they come. If you mean it for real and you're ready for some divine appointments, then say it and mean it. And when it happens tomorrow, the next day, you start seeing it. All of a sudden, guys, guys standing there on the job and their face is so downcast. Then you allow some, you remember what it is to be depressed, don't you? You remember what it is to be hopeless. Do you remember that? Do you remember before you got saved and you look at them and you say, hey man, you all right? You go, yeah, I'm all right. And they just, you know, I don't know if you're able to on your job, but I mean, you know, if it's lunch break or something, I think you can get away with it. I don't know where you work or whatever, but be open to letting God use you. Say, man, I remember you just look like you're having a hard time. Man, I had a hard time too. I gave my life to God. He changed me. Can I pray for you? Be like, boom. And you, you pray and, and don't do that. Don't do that religious thing. Oh, you look like you're hurting today. Can I pray for you? And they'll be like, yeah, you can pray for me because most people think you're going to pray later. And be like, okay, good. Lord, and they'll be like, oh, snap, he's praying right now. But what I do, what I do is I pray. And if it's a female, I don't, I don't move in and grab their shoulder. You know, some, you don't have to lay hands on somebody, but I'm, you know, guys, I'm like, what's up, corned beef. <laughs> Come on, I'm heavy handed. So I mean, a guy... Guys, don't usually mind it. I'm gonna lay. I'm picking on you tonight. <laughs> I lay hands on them. I'll pray. You know, guys are usually okay with that. Women, I just generally, I, I don't do that. And then I pray until I sense an anointing, and then I let that linger for a minute. I pray, Father, thank you, thank you for this life, thank you for this marriage. Holy Spirit, touch them right now. There, I feel an anointing. And I go in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what just happened? They're, so they say that, I mean, I don't, I don't know who they're, I mean, we know them. I'm just picking on y'all. <laughs> picking on the corned beef and cabbage folks, amen. <laughs> Out there, they will feel God's presence. They will feel his, don't just pray something that's got nothing on it, no oil on it. You know, the, the nervous prayer. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for them. God, touch them, amen. Great. Hey, thanks, that's great, awesome. Praise. Nice to meet you, amen, praise God. <laughs> They'd be like, whoa, freak, I ain't going to his church. I got enough problems. <laughs> be open and available. I'm, I'm like rattling on here. Jesus, let's land this plane. Amen. Come on, brother. <laughs> Come on, stand up on your feet, lift your hands to Jesus. Let's be a personal church. Let's be personal. Let's pray for people. Let's not be afraid of people. Let's love people. Let's let the power of the spirit of Jesus flow through us in signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're doing. That we get to be a part of this great move of the Spirit of God in a local church. And I, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for all the local churches that are preaching and teaching the Word of God, that, that believe in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the other ones that are cults, I pray, God, you'd have a visitation there and set them right. And Lord, that you use the body of Christ. You would use people not to, to help us, not to be so self-consumed help us to be personal help us to love one another deeply from the heart for those that, that are apprehensive about being committed lord may they may they make a decision to be committed to a local church i don't mean just here i mean like over the whole valley get people in churches lord draw them in no one can come to you unless you draw them father draw people draw them in 
we bless the body of Christ tonight we thank you for the church all over the world and all the different denominations all that you're doing through your people your servants elders and overseers and bishops and pastors and teachers we thank you for your, the joy we have of worshiping you freely here use us God as a local church to be personal outside the walls use us God use us break down dividing walls on this Rosh Hashanah God break down dividing walls that would be open and available we'd not be afraid of people we build healthy relationships that we would commit. And we'd see many lives touched and healed through personal caring relationships, Lord. And um, this is a new jar of oil. So I'm going to dedicate it. And if you, here's how you do that. It's so simple. My goodness. Let me say, Pastor, I've got oil in my house, but it's not blessed. Well, you can bless it yourself. You're the priest of your own home. I mean, I'm, you know, you want to bring it, I'll pray over it. There's nothing wrong with that either, but you know, everybody should have oil in their house. Somebody gets sick, you bust out that oil, just gurgle it all over somebody, amen, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Come on, let's, let's just bless this. Father, it's a symbol, it's a picture of your Holy Spirit. And so we set this aside and we call it holy, Lord. Even as we use it, Lord, a symbol of your power manifested, flowing through us to hurting broken people. I thank you for a mighty wave of healing that's coming to this house. Miracles and signs and wonders to testify that you've risen again from the grave. And Lord, not only in this house, but in the marketplace. I pray for people to have a boldness. I pray for people to be so wrecked with compassion not sympathy but they would feel we would feel what other people feel and would move us from where we are to touch them in the name of Jesus to bring miracles that they would experience the love of God in Jesus name and we thank you for it every head bowed every eye closed if you're here tonight you're not right with God you've never given your heart to Jesus or maybe you gave your heart to Jesus a long time ago but you know that you've drifted in your walk listen we're not here playing some kind of a religious game the Lord is here to help you set you free and move you to a place where then you can actually help and lead others to a place of discipleship we're here to be discipled and to make disciples that's what God has God has got this church on this corner soon to be at the at the at the headwaters there as you come into Wasilla as we build that over the next couple of years. Why? For the purpose of being a city on a hill, for a purpose of reaching the lost and, and raising up disciples and planting churches all over the world. We're here to tell you that God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, He loves you. He's got a plan for your life, a hope and a future for you. But you're separated from that plan. You're separated from the hope and future because of sin. Have you ever lied? Yes. You ever stolen? Yes. You ever cheated? Yes. You ever taken the Lord's name in vain? 
Yes. You ever lusted after someone? Yes. That's five of the Ten Commandments right there. And you've broken them and so have I. And the point is that you don't need a rule book. You need a savior. You don't need religion and a bunch of tradition to try to make you obey one through ten. That doesn't work. Jesus came and died on a cross for you, for me, for us. And if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then all of your sins are forgiven. Every single one, Pastor. Every single one. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, don't you leave this place. Don't you walk out those double doors not reconciled with God. Make peace with God. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your life. Ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, giving your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment, if that's you, on the count of three, slip your hand up. One. Slip your hand up at the count of three if that's you. One. Two, three. Do it right now. God bless you right there. God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Lift your hand high. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Online, perhaps. Thank you. Anybody else? You say, that's me. Pray for me. God bless you. Little sister, I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. If you meant business with God, you're serious. For real. Never want to embarrass you. But we just believe what Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, then I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you. If you're serious about getting right with God, all games aside, I'm not talking about joining this church, I'm talking about getting right with Jesus. If that's you, you raised your hand or you didn't, you know you need to get right with God, you've drifted, you had your hand raised, meet me right here, right now. Come, quickly come, quickly come. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, just thank God for these. Amen. Come on. Anybody else? Come on. Come. Online, perhaps. If you're home, just take a knee. That'll work. And pray this right out loud. And I know it's just a little too much sometimes for people to come up front. If you, if you meant business with God, He knows. So just pray this right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Amen. Let me pray for you and then we'll close tonight. Holy Spirit, I ask God your touch, your blessing upon each and every one. Break every chain. Lord, that each and every one would fulfill the call and the mandate upon our lives, that we would fulfill the purpose for which we were created. And we thank you. Touch that person at home right now, the person on the podcast right now. God, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.